0: Tonight is Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. The title of tonight's message is Reverse Validation. Reverse Validation. I'll explain that as we go along. Uh, Let's turn to Luke chapter 12. I just want to encourage you tonight. I want to, I need you guys to be with me tonight. I, I need you to be with me. We're a family. This is not a performance. I can assure you there are many people who are better at doing this than me. There are a lot of people who could be up here, but what we're doing is we're not trying to perform for anyone. We're trying to get the attention of our God and we have his attention through our worship. I believe that the Lord has given me a right word because this is a word I'm living today. I can't give you anything else than other than what the Lord is doing in me. So I'm going to trust that what's been going on in my life today and this week is going to be pertinent to you. You can tell me later if it was or not, but I'm going to trust that what he's doing. Let's look at Luke chapter 12 and let's look at verse 32. Say there when you're there. there. Read it with me as it's on the screen and in your word. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I want to just start off encouraging you tonight. Don't be afraid, little flock. Anybody ever felt afraid? Anybody ever realize, even when I'm saying, yeah, we're going to be on four continents, four countries simultaneously? Yeah, as, as, uh, as a pastor here, I'm like, whew, that's a lot, Lord. That's a lot that's going on. But I want you to be encouraged tonight. Do not be afraid, little flock. It has pleased your Father to give you the kingdom. Amen. Man, what an encouraging thought. If we could, we could close it down right now and go home, if you could really get this down on the inside of you, you and go, Hey, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be insecure. We know that the God is going to give us and is giving us the kingdom. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Just a few simple thoughts as we get going here tonight. Hebrews chapter 12 and let's look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says this. Therefore... It's amazing what you remember, Charlie. When I just said "therefore," I remembered as a little kid that when the Bible says "therefore," you know what you're supposed to do? See what it's there for. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders <clears throat> and the sin that so easily entangles. Come on, everybody, say throw off. "throw off." Let's not have any of that. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Pastor Eric on Monday night shared such an encouraging word about continue. If you missed it, get with somebody who was there. I think it may have been less than 10 scriptures that he shared, which is incredibly unusual for us on a Monday night. If we're not in the 70s and 80s of scriptures that we're sharing, it's we had a light night. That was such an encouraging word that says that we must continue, that God is blessing us as a church just because you're continuing. (laughs) If you're here tonight, If you've had difficulties and you made it here tonight, come on, you're continuing on and God can bless you and he can work with you in these things. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You don't have to run my race. I don't have to run your race, but we have to run the race that God has marked out for us. And well, you know how we do that in a church body like this? God is giving us some very clear lanes that we can run in, that we can run with perseverance. Verse two, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now we know that that word fix means you're going to plant your eyes on Jesus. How many of you know that it's also true that he, we have to fix our eyes sometimes? They get a little broken. They get a little downcast. We started looking at the wrong things. It says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Would you consider him? who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Come on now. How do you keep from getting weary and losing heart? Have you ever done that? Have you ever just worked so stinking hard that you're like, yeah, I'm not sure if I can go anymore. If you're talking about Buddy Brasso in Peru, if you've ever been in that canyon, you know that there are some spots in there and you're like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm gonna either get all the way down or get back up. I think I'm just gonna lay right here on the ground and be done. You can grow weary and lose heart in the physical, but how many of you know, how many of you know that there are many in this room who are, who can feel weary and losing heart even today, that as we're going about our days, we are a forward looking, ever moving, deeply convicted kind of church. We don't back up. We don't let up. We don't shut up, but I feel like what the Lord wants to do for us tonight is for us to lift up our eyes upon him and understand what he's doing in our midst. The idea of the Lord showing his favor upon us. I'm not going to ask you if you know that God's favor is upon you. Because we should all understand that conceptually. How many people thought today, man, the Lord is favoring me? Amen, we got some. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you are like, I'm not sure if God even knows my name today. <laughs> yeah, you can have both in the same day. Right? That the Lord wants to encourage us tonight as we continue on that he sees us. And it's kind of an interesting thing. The idea of reverse validation is this. What is it to be validated? It means that someone approves of you, gives you favor, reigns upon, places some type of special confirmation upon you. When Moses conferred upon Joshua, he said... The Lord told him to lay hands on Joshua, that some of what was on Moses would get on Joshua. He conferred, he validated who Joshua was because God did it. Man, it's good to get some confirmation sometime. But you know what acts as confirmation in the kingdom for a church like this? The reverse of normal validation. The fact that we have to struggle at times and go through adversity. We have to start looking that as the validation that we need. But that's not at all what we want, is it? We want somebody to come along and be like, hey, come on, Nolan. Praise God. You're doing such a good job. Good job. And please encourage each other. But you know what it's like here in this church? It's it's that we're going to try to do something for the Lord. Oh, I don't know. Say have a, a, a co-op here on a Friday. And we're worried about people getting shot at down on the end of the building. Some of you are like, oh, we didn't know about that. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Reverse validation. When you're trying to do something, I promise you as pastors, it's the most ridiculous thing. You would think that we were lying to you if you just didn't know us. That every time we try to study for a sermon, it's not unusual for a computer Uh, The other day, uh, Gabriel, my son, was was sitting beside me and the screen just started flickering and blinking and he's like, whoa, that's weird. I said, it's because I'm trying to open the Bible program to study the Word of God. I think it was at our house, now that I think about it. There's opposition. And you know what you need to start doing is we need to start looking at the opposition as a form of validation. I've been in a lot of places. I've been in a lot of churches. I've seen a lot of people. And you know what? It seems like they all have it easy. You're like, why is it so easy for them? They, they don't seem to have any money problems. They don't seem to have any worries. They don't seem to have any struggles. But man, I'm just trying to do exactly what the Lord tells me to do. I'm not walking in sin. There's no uh, willful disobedience that I have going on in my life. I'm actually striving after Him. Anybody like that in this house? Yeah, I think most of the people in this room are like that. Most. If we're striving after Him, why are things so difficult sometimes? Why can't we just love on little baby Kaysen? Why are things so difficult? Because the Lord is going to show us a reverse kind of affirmation. We need to start looking at the circumstances that we are under as affirmation, in fact, of what the Lord is doing. Look at Psalm chapter 52. Psalm chapter 52. Getting there. I like that. Let's look at verse 8. Anybody had any reverse validation this week? Yes. This month? Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah, today? Yes. Amen. Psalm 52.8 says this. But I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. Come on now. I'm like an olive tree, flourishing where? Right here in this house. Right here is a part of this family. There's flourishing going on. There are people that are learning. I look at Linton. Linton, how long you been here? Almost Almost two years now. You know what Linton did in his first year here? He listened to every one of our thousand sermons that we have online. Every sermon. No wonder why the brother is making an incredible, an incredible, has an incredible walk with the Lord. He's devouring the word. Man, there are others in this room that I can go around and do the same thing for. There's a passion that you have. It's almost like we're supposed to be an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I will praise you forever for what you have done in your name. I will hope for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints, man. What a beautiful passage, a song to be sung, something that is so encouraging. Do you understand what an olive tree does though? You don't understand what an, what makes an olive tree an olive tree is that the worst the surroundings, the more it grows, the more difficult, the surrounding, the better the olive tree does, the more the drought on the outside, the stronger it gets, the more the wind and the waves beat against it, the more and the better it does. You know what about the only thing that can kill an olive tree is relative ease. I won't ask you tonight if you're praying for relative ease. I won't ask you that if things are difficult, if you're asking for the Lord to take those things away, I'm telling you, church, that you're an olive tree that's flourishing in the house of the Lord. It is the adversity that is acting as validation upon us here. Why am I telling you this? Well, because I think this is where we are as a church and I know that what is coming, we must need this word to prepare us. Isn't that great about the Lord? He not only addresses where you've been, where you are currently, but he's always preparing us for what's next. He's always preparing us. Well, pastor, you're, you're about to go to India. Yes. You're, you're getting ready to go on a mission trip. Yes, you're absolutely correct. This message is not for our friends in India. This message is for us tonight. It's for us to say, is the Lord validating you? Have you been looking at your circumstances as difficult as they are as validating that there's a struggle, there's a force that's trying to oppose you and even simple things. There's a force, but we are olive trees that are flourishing in the house of the Lord. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. It's almost like the Lord understood this, even as he was talking to his own people. He was giving us an example thousands of years ago. This principle of an olive tree flourishing through the difficulties and because of the difficulties. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 1. Are you there? When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. Can can you look at the first word for me there? He doesn't say if you go to war and you see armies that are bigger than you. He doesn't say if you get to an environment where things are difficult. What he says is when. When When you go to war against your enemies. When you start making war and we're trying to advance our cause in the Middle East. We have a team of people that are preparing. We've been praying for weeks about them. We're so glad that they're back. Some of us got the first night of sleep, whole night of sleep, you know, just this last week, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to ask you to do it again, Amen. because we need it, because we're advancing. If this were just a, a fun trip, if we were just going to go see our friend Anand and in, 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 in India, well, it'd be great. Go shopping, hit the beach. Yeah, we're going to drive about fifteen hundred miles through. <laughs> I'm so excited about this part. It's going to be about 115 degrees while we're there. Thank you, Jesus. We wouldn't have picked this time, but you know what? The Lord picked this time. The Lord picked this season because those people there need Him. They need encouragement. They need to hear the word that we hear on a regular basis. They need to have their eyes lifted up just like we do. In Deuteronomy 20, it says, When you go to war against enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours. I think the Lord is, that is his, always his plan. It's always his plan for you to go into battle against someone who's bigger and stronger and better than you. If you have been battling in the kiddie pool, if you've been battering on the battling on the playground, I encourage you. That's the reason probably the enemy is not opposing you very much. But the fact that we are trying to do things around the world, that we are trying to do things here, that you're trying to reach your neighbors. It says, hey, it's because the enemy is going to be bigger and better and stronger than you. But don't be afraid. It is acting as validation that God himself is with us. Don't be afraid of them because the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, will be with you. Come on, say it with me. Say he will be with me. Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will be with us. Is God with you? Yes. Does it always feel like God is with you? No. But if he is with you, Then what must we do? Did you hear the words of encouragement that came forth tonight? We have to put aside what we're thinking. We have to put aside what we're feeling and know that he is with us so that we might respond properly, that we might respond in faith. Because you know what happens is when we're looking for validation, we're waiting for someone to tell us and we're looking at the opposition and it makes us feel invalidated. It makes us feel less than worthy. It makes us feel incapable instead of showing in fact that you are capable because there's an an enemy that is opposing you. Yeah, but the enemy feels stronger. Yes, when you go to war and you see that the army is is stronger than you, is bigger than you. Do not be afraid. That first verse that we read tonight, Luke twelve, how did that start off? Yeah, do not be afraid, little flock. The idea that when we see opposition, what does it make you want to do? It makes you want to shrink back. It makes you want to pull back. It makes you want to shut up and back up. But you can't let up. You've got to understand there's something about us just staying in an ever-pressing forward kind of way. Pastor, uh, that's tiring. Yes, it's tiring. But you have to look at it as the affirmation that God is in fact giving you. The validation that you need. Let's look at a few people really quickly. Genesis 37. Genesis 37. Let's look at verse 1. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 1. It says this. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed. Where you stayed. The land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Jacob. Joseph. I find this just an interesting verse in the Bible. There's something about it that's very interesting to me. If I tell you that I'm going to start off and tell you a story about Jacob, you would think that the next words out of my mouth would be something about Jacob himself. But we're here and it says, this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17. I just find that interesting. Do you realize that in the kingdom, sometimes your story is not about you? That's good. That as you're going along, you're like, hey, let me tell you about my story. Gabriel. Let me tell you this story about Wade Sutherland. Gabriel Sutherland was a young man of 17 years age. What an interesting way to start the story. I am like, I'm on pins and needles as I read this going on. What is going on? Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. The sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. I know no parents in here have favorite kids. I have a little secret. I tell each of my kids that they're my favorite. (laughs) In this case, it was true. Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other kids. When his brothers saw that their father loved him, verse 4, more than any of them, they hated him. Come on, say hated. Hated. Wow. And could not speak a kind word to them. It's almost like the opposition began very, very early on. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, they already hated him. They already couldn't speak a kind word to him. How much do you have to hate somebody when you already hate them? I, I'm, I'm getting lost in how many hated, levels of hatred we have here. They hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, you can think a lot of things. Should he have said that to his brothers? You know, if they're hating you and can't even say anything nice, do you really want to be throwing this in their face? The Bible doesn't say that he was in any way incorrect in sharing this with them. It's allowing you to see their heart. And what you know about over the next several chapters as it goes on, as we hear the story of a man who's opposed in every way. He's unjustly. They thought about killing him. Then they threw him in a, in a pit. Then he was sold as a slave. Then, then, then on and on and on it goes. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 41. Because you know this story so well. Genesis chapter 41. Immediately, Joseph found opposition about his calling. About who he was. Joseph, boy, oh, that dreamer. Yeah, they're they're actually calling him by what he was called to be. They're challenging him on his calling immediately. Anybody ever felt challenged in your calling? Anybody ever felt like, yeah, I think the Lord has called me for this and everything in your life seems to point you in a different direction? Pastor, thank you for encouraging us. But yeah, we, we know exactly what that feels like. I think I'm supposed to be going there. I see a bullseye. I see a target right there. And it feels like I only keep getting drawn further and further away From the bullseye. I felt like that before. I'm like, Lord, I don't, if we're going to use a bow and arrow analogy, I don't know how much further I can be pulled back. (laughs) Lord, are you ever going to release us? (laughs) What, What are we doing here, Lord? It feels like there's a problem with your calling. It feels like maybe you've gotten it wrong. Speaking as one who had another profession, it feels like a lifetime ago to be a teacher. God, that was a lifetime ago for me. And it was exactly what I needed, but it was a challenge to my calling in every kind of way. What I should have done was been able to see in the moment that every bit of adversity, that every bit of difficulty was actually acting to validate what in fact the Lord had done in my life and called me to. Let's look at Genesis chapter 41. Let's look at verse um, 40, 44. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. Boy, it's nice when we get to the good part of the story, right? On the end of your story, when you're looking back and you're like, man, God was so good to me. I can declare His greatness I had once heard, but now I have seen the goodness of the Lord. But you know what we have to learn how to do? Is do that in the middle of it. Today, the kind of day that you had, whatever today has been, whatever this week has been, the difficulties from you in every way, you have to go, I know that the Lord is good. I know that my calling is in fact secure. I know that as long as I keep pressing forward in obedience as long as I keep straining toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, that He will be with me. And if He is with me, what do I have to fear? Why so downcast, oh my soul? Why do we allow ourselves to get so down? It's because we see the adversity as an invalidation of who we are. It has made us invalid. That is not what adversity is for, my friends. It is to show you that you are in the fight. Amen. You are in the fight. If you're not feeling the struggle, then I challenge you. Either the Lord is giving you a moment of grace that you can catch your breath. Or you're not in the battle. Tonight, he's going to let you catch your breath if you've been in the battle. If you've been discouraged. If you've been weary and growing weary in heart. He's going to allow you to be strengthened today, because look, let's continue verse 45. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name, Zaphaoff, Paneah. What name awaits you, my friend? What name awaits you as you struggle through the injustice of the world, the struggle at every turn, the things that make you every day feel like you're not valid. You ever felt like you lacked validity? Am I the only one? No. Everybody just got real quiet, so I don't know. I have felt like, I'm like, Lord. But you know what we do? There's a name that waits for us. If we'll but stay steady in his presence. If we'll but continue on. The zophonoth gave him Asenoth, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went through the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old. How was he at the, at, in the last passage in Genesis 37? 17. He was 17, so we're 13 years later. You guys know the story well. You know he was worn out, thrown in prison, forgot about, lied, falsely accused. Do you realize that by the time the famine, the seven good years and seven lean years should come, he's 44. He's, he's in, his, in his early 40s when his family comes here. From 17, you have a picture of his life from 17 to at least his mid-40s. What does your life look like in that time frame? It's particularly poignant to me because I'm somewhere in this age range. right, Rick? Rick's older than me, by the way. It's okay. by a week. (laughs) And when you look at your life, though, if you look at today, you can be discouraged. But what happens if you look back? Think about... The last five years. Anybody in this room better off now than you were five years ago in Christ? Anybody? Okay. Uh, any Anybody? Anybody better off um, now than you were two years ago? Anybody? Anybody in the room? Okay. So the problem is, is our perspective, isn't it? It's not if we think about it and stop and go, wait. Look at my family. Look at my kids. Look at the trajectory of my life. Look what I know in the Word now. Look how every day I'm getting closer to Him. Anybody read the Word of God regularly, like on a daily basis? Anybody in the room? Okay. Anybody in the room uh, pray on some type of regular basis in this place? Yeah. Could you have said that a couple years ago? Some of you could. Many of you maybe not. When we look at it over the course of time, we can go, there is validation in what's going on and the struggle doesn't seem to matter. When you get to a certain place. When you can look back. But what the thing is, is in the middle of it, you can't lose heart. You can't lose hope. You can't lose the help that God is providing for you. Because you get your eyes on the wrong place. Turn to Acts chapter 7. I don't want to quite let Joseph go just yet. Acts chapter 7. Let's look at verse 9. Acts chapter 7 is such a neat chapter. It's Stephen preaching a sermon, and it basically gives you a biblical commentary on the Bible. It's kind of cool. Acts 7 and 9, are you there? It says this, because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph. Come on now. Anybody ever felt the jealousy over your calling? What you were intended to do, and the others were looking at it wrongly? They sold him as a slave into Egypt, but God was with him. Come on now. If God is with you, if God is for you, who can dare stand up against you? Yeah, that doesn't feel that way when someone is standing in front of you, though. When someone is opposing you. But we know the end of this story. But God was with him and rescued him from a few things that had been wrong in his life. Rescued him from all his troubles. Everybody say all. But pastor, i got a lot of troubles. (laughs) Yeah, but if he's with you, then he will deliver from all of his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Man, what a beautiful thing here. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We looked in the law and we saw Joseph. A man who was unjustly treated in every way. But the Lord was with him. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 9 it says this. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Hannah is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. There is something about it that grips my heart in such a unique way. The ridicule that she went through. You know, Joseph had a problem because that he was immediately challenged and therefore had reverse validation of his calling. It wasn't so much Hannah's calling in this case as it was Hannah's desires. She had a desire to do something special for the Lord and have a son. She had a longing in her heart that she began to get ridiculed mercilessly. Once when they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me. Do not forget your servant, but give her a son then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. What a sincere moment of crying out to the Lord. What are your desires right now? Do you have any deep desires that you're laying before the Lord? Anything that is is causing you significant time in prayer? Lord, I have this huge thing that's right here in front of me. It's the desire to have a child. It's It's strengthening as we're having a child, Lord. There are some things about my calling, Lord. There are some things in my life that I'm laying before you, Lord. And and it's 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 a deep urge within me. As she kept praying, kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. (laughs) Anybody ever felt like you've been you're saying something, but nobody's hearing you? I think, like, what is going on, Lord? There was a time in my life where I felt like, um, in certain places that I've been, that the Lord muted anything that I said. It felt like I had a season where I could say something and people would listen and things would happen, and it would go on. And there have been times in my life when it felt like somebody hit the mute button on my voice. My lips are still moving, yeah, but nothing. Nobody seems to be responding. Nobody seems to be hearing what's going on. Maybe that's why I'm so moved by Hannah's in a small way. I think I understand a little bit of what was going on. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long would you keep on getting drunk? Man, when you have a pure desire before the Lord and there's opposition that comes against you. When you really do have it right and and you get accused, I promise you if that hasn't happened to you yet, you just haven't been in the fight long enough. If you haven't really wanted to bless somebody and they take it the exact opposite of what you were really honestly wanting, I mean, I'm not talking self-deception. I mean, like, you really did want it right for them. You really did want it to be a blessing. You really did have a sincere desire that was right before the Lord and everything else was coming against you in that sincere desire. Your enemies... The people in your household, the people who should be speaking rightly into your life. I mean, everybody was coming against you. Hannah was able to press on. Hannah, Hannah was able to stay sincere and even in bitterness of soul, she cried out to the Lord. And what did the Lord do? The Lord blessed her. And you guys know how this goes on. The story goes on and she has a beautiful revelation. In 1 Samuel chapter 2. Let's start in verse 7. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. Who is she talking about? She's talking about her, he raises the poor from the dust. I've been there. I know what it's like to be broken, to be, have the adversity come against me. And lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes. What happens when you endure the persecution? When you endure Boy, doesn't it feel validating to have the Lord you have have persevered through and his validation sits upon you from the foundations of the earth. uh, I'm sorry for the foundations of the earth of the Lord's upon them. He has set the world. He will guard the feet of the saints. Come on, church. He will guard your feet. Doesn't it matter to you? It, It makes this 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 revelation from Hannah a little bit more special to me because you know what she went through. It's not just vain words. She's saying, yeah, He will guard the feet of the saints. But the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. This is the first time that the word King and the anointed or the Messiah are in the same verse. The struggle and your desires will give you a special revelation of the Messiah, if you'll allow it to. If you'll go through the difficulties, if you'll not begin to keep your eyes on the ground but lift them up to where He is and allow the struggle to be a validation for you, revelation is on the other side, my friends. There's a special revelation that the Lord can give you in each of these cases. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel, chapter 2. Growing up as a child, Daniel was one of my favorite biblical characters. There was something about him that I felt... uh, Many of the the, uh, iconic figures in the Bible I wanted to be like, I, I, I would learn things from them. There was something about Daniel that I always... It had a special place. There was something special that caught my attention. Look in Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 17. Are you there? If you have title chapters in your Bible, you'll see that this is Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This is the dream of the statue in Daniel chapter 2. But the situation is, is that Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he says, you know what? I need the magicians and the enchanters and the astrologers. I need you to do two things for me, guys. Just two things is all I ask. I need you to tell me the dream that I just had and then interpret it. That's all I'm asking. Tell me the dream that I had. They're like, sure thing, king. As soon as you tell us the dream, we will tell you exactly what it means. (laughs) No. You tell me the dream and the interpretation, I'll kill all of you. No king, great or small, has ever asked this. This is their response. Um. <laughs> see, see, we're enchanters and we'll interpret dreams for you, but we can't tell you the dream man interpreted. How can we do that? Okay, then all of you are going to die. Everyone in your profession in this whole region, dead. Verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained this matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. By the way, Just be my friend and learn their real names. (laughs) Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, there are some things that the world may try to call you, but the people of God know your real name. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Yeah, so I know that we're about to all die this is a pretty serious situation. He and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Nineteen. During the night, come on, say during the night. During the night. Come on, during when the adversity is on, when it's dark. Sometimes we want all the revelations to come in the daytime, don't we? We want it to come and ease. We want it to pray just a little bit and it just show up in our lap to be FedEx to us, waiting on our doorstep when we open up the door in the morning as the birds are singing and the rainbow is across the sky. This is your answer. Yeah, but you know when the answer comes most of the time? It comes during the night time. It comes as you're laboring in prayer. It comes as you're in the midst of what's going on. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise. Knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep And hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness. And light dwells with Him. It's not just a personification, friends. Light (laughs) that uh, Okay, we don't have time. I thank and praise You, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of You. You have made known to us the dream of the King. Golly. What did that look like? What would that must have been like to be there? Take a look down at verse... Uh, we're going to skip down to verse 41, I believe. I'm sorry, verse 44. <clears throat> he goes through, he explains the, key, the, the dream. He explains the big uh, the statue. Right. My point tonight is not the specificity of the statue. It's the fact that in Joseph we saw a man who had struggles with his calling an opposition to his calling from the get-go. In Hannah, we saw a person who had struggles with her godly desires from the get-go. In Daniel, you see a man who's having struggles and having the death sentence placed upon him for the giftings and the anointing that he has. In every area, these people have been opposed. And in verse 44, we see something. We see the result. In the time of those kings... The king of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it it itself will endure. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true. And the interpretation is trustworthy. Man, that's a boss, by the way. People think that Daniel was not actually written by Daniel because it is so accurate that they don't think that he could have beforehand called what was coming for the next several hundred years. So they say, they, whoever they is, says that it must have been written much later looking back and just simply describing what went on. Well, that's the way... The ungodly will always try to make a look at what what we are enduring and looking at. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, verse forty six, fell prostrate before Daniel. Wait, what? Wait, wait, what? King Nebuchadnezzar. By the way, the the head of gold in the statue. The king who ruled and <laughs> who ruled over the earth at that time. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. If we can endure the difficulties, if we can endure the pressure, you know what can happen? It will always bring glory to the God of gods and the king of kings. That is what we are supposed to be doing. If we will allow the adversity to help Shape us to validate what you're going through. That as you're walking in obedience, if we can stay true to what He's calling us to do, you don't have to be afraid, little flock. He'll give you the kingdom and He will allow other people to see the kingdom being realized inside of you. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. and We're going to look at verse 16. So having said that, having laid that out before us tonight, <clears throat> let's get to some uh, to some scriptures here that I just want to, hopefully in the next few minutes here, I want to walk through some scriptures as an encouragement to you, that your eyes may be lifted up today, that your difficulties that you've been going through can be put in the right perspective, so that you won't murmur in your heart, that you won't complain, that you won't even have a sigh that says this is a little bit too hard for me. You're going to say, praise God, this is validation that I'm in the battle. That I'm moving in the right direction. Why would the enemy oppose someone going in the wrong direction? Yeah, he wouldn't. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't lose, don't lose heart. Turn to the other one that you didn't want to talk to just then. Say, you don't lose heart either. Though outwardly we are wasting away. You know what that means to me? Outwardly, you're having all kinds of struggles going on. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. We're being renewed. We're being built up. We're being strengthened. Yeah, but I don't feel stronger today. Yeah, again, how many of you are better off today than you were two years ago for being in this church? So you are, in fact, being renewed day by day. It just doesn't always feel like it every day, does it? That's why we're not supposed to judge things before the appointed time. You know why? Because you're going to look at in the middle and presume that you're not doing good and he's just doing construction on you. He's building you up. He is renewing you day by day. If you will but continue on, if you will stay steady, if you will stay faithful, if you will not allow your thoughts or your emotions to dominate you, if you will just make it an act of your will, an act of your spirit to continue on. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to do exactly what he told me to do. Yeah, but it doesn't feel glorious. It doesn't feel wonderful. I don't care. We're going to trust the Lord's word above how we feel. We're going to trust the word of the Lord above what we think. We're going to do that. And if we do that day by day by day, you know what the Lord continues to do? Reveal his kingdom to this little flock. Amen. Be strengthened today, church. That's what he, he's been speaking to us for a month. Be strengthened. Get your eyes up. Be encouraged. Come on, guys, we can do this. Amen. You know why he needs to continue to say that? Because we need it. He wouldn't keep saying it to us if we already had it worked out. He's saying, don't you lose heart. Don't, don't you give up. Don't you slide back. Don't you take a day off. You keep going because I'm with you. I'm revealing the kingdom to you. I have revealed it and, I'm, and I am now. And I will continue to reveal my presence to you. You have just got to stay steady in what you're doing. You've got to set your face like flint. Towards what he's got called for you. I would rather die than stop doing what he's got called for me. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I die. And that's part of this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles. I love this verse and I don't like this verse sometimes. This verse is actually going to set up a little Calvay Comer for us real quick. For those of you who have been through Acts 1. It's setting up a light and a heavy, literally. For our light and momentary troubles. The reason I don't like this verse sometimes is because I don't want to call my troubles light and momentary. Because they feel very heavy and very long lasting in my life. I'm still struggling with this. Lord, how can this be light? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling under the weight of this. Yeah, that's light and momentary, son. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It doesn't feel this way, but I have to change what I am believing based on your word, not on how I feel. You cannot go with how you feel. The Bible says our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What is it? Light and momentary compared to, compared to the eternal glory that out far outweighs them all. You know what the word for outweighs there is? It's baros. It is the idea of a burden. When we use this in Philippians, we say that each one of us is supposed to carry our own load, but we're supposed to help our brother carry their burden. Their baros. Okay, stay with me for just a second. I know it's Wednesday night. I know I'm saying Greek, literally speaking Greek to you, right? For each other, I have a portion that I'm supposed to carry. I have my own assignment that I'm supposed to do. But when things get too heavy for me and I start getting crushed, I, am, I need people to run to my aid and help me so that I am not crushed beneath this burden. We know that part of the Word. Let's show you how it relates here. For our light and momentary troubles, the portion that we're supposed to carry, are achieving for us, what it's working in us, what it's building in us, is not oppression. It's not the weight of a burden. It's an eternal glory that will rest upon us in such a crushing way that you never want to get out from under that. This is the word here. It outweighs it all. The glory that we will receive if we keep going, if we keep going, if we decide that we will never stop. We will never slow down in what he's calling us to do. We will not give way to our feelings. We will not give way to our thoughts. But we will continue on what it will work for us. Our portion of this, our light and momentary troubles gives us a glory that we can't even handle. It's always different when you can get to the end of a story, isn't it? It's always better when you can think about it and go, I want that kind of glory on my life. I want that kind that says, when this is all considered, when it's all been weighed out, the eternal glory that can rest upon us. But few people get to this point because we're so concerned about our light and momentary troubles. Boy, it sure is light when you compare it to the the eternal weight of His glory, isn't it? Man, that's a beautiful thought. Maybe you guys knew that. I didn't know that till today. I didn't know that that word was there. So what do we do? Verse 18. So we fix our eyes. Come on, somebody say, fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on what's surrounding you, not on the circumstances of your life, not on what went on today, not on the difficulties of yesterday, but we set our eyes on the things that are unseen. For what is seen is temporary. It's the light and momentary part that we heard about in the verse before. But what is unseen, man, that's eternal. Amen. Come on, let's do a few rapid fire scriptures tonight Amen. just to help encourage you as we start working towards our close. Psalm chapter 34. Psalm 34. Verse 4. Is everybody there? I want you to put your eyes on it in your Bible. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Boy, don't you fight that when you're struggling through something? Aren't you worried about being... (laughs) Let me not make it such a hypothetical question. Can I tell you that I get worried? Lord, if I fail this, I don't want to bring shame to you. I don't want to fail you, Lord. I don't want to mess this up. I surely don't want to be put to shame. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. If you can keep your eyes up and keep your eyes on him, if you can fix your eyes on Jesus, you won't walk around in shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Come on, say it all. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge, who runs there in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. If you fear the Lord instead of fearing the circumstances, if you fear the Lord instead of fearing the shame, if you fear the Lord instead of the difficulty that you're in, you're going to lack no good thing. Look at verse 17. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their trouble. Come on, say it again, all. all. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. You know what you don't feel like when you're brokenhearted? You don't feel like the Lord is close. But what does the Bible say about it? The Lord is, in fact, close to you. Come on. How many of you are closer to the Lord than you think sometime? He's close to you if you're brokenhearted. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles. Come on, say many. Many. But the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them are broken. Come on, some of us just need to need to meditate on Psalm 34 a little bit. You don't understand that the righteous may have many problems. You may have many things that you're actually facing. But it's just reverse validation that he's actually with you that He actually will be with you and show His presence in you. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 65. It says this, Do good to your servant according to your word, O Lord. Man, I just love how how plainly the Bible puts things. (laughs) Just crying out to the Lord. Lord, do good to your servant according to your word. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. What does it say? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I had pressure on me, I kind of did my own thing because I could. I, was, I could find validation somewhere else. You are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling. But I delight in your law, Lord. Church, if you are actually running after the Lord, you can say these things along with it. And look what verse 71 says. Oh my goodness. It was good for me to be afflicted. What? It was a good thing that I was afflicted. You know why? Why? So that I might learn your decrees. Because no matter how much I think, I want to have no pressure in my life. But the pressure, like the olive tree, is what causes me to grow correctly. The worst thing for a Christian is to not have affliction. The worst thing that you could possibly hope for in your life is to get so comfortable that you forget about your desperate need for the Lord. To find your validation and comfort and instead of the struggle. That is the worst thing that can happen to us. And if you haven't seen someone who so desired for comfort and watched what the desire for comfort did to them, then you just haven't had your eyes open. It was good for me to be afflicted. Well, you got to be full of the Holy Spirit to be able to say this, don't you? Yeah. Man, you know what? Now that I think about it, whoo, it was really good that I didn't get everything that I wanted. Yeah, Man, you know what? It was really good that today was a struggle. You know what? It was really good that this month has been a struggle. It was really good for... Yeah, you gotta, You got to think rightly so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Sounds like somebody who had gone through affliction and would rather have God's presence than any amount of money. Yeah, if you've ever really been through affliction... You know that his presence, that him being with you, is worth more than anything. Turn to Matthew chapter five. Are y'all with me tonight? Yes. <clears throat> Matthew chapter five, verse ten. Blessed are those uh, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, not because you're a. a, a Walking in your own sinful way. That's not what we're talking about tonight. If you're being stupid and sinning, well then, this is you're not being afflicted. You're just getting the just reward for your stupidity. You sinned and you got what, what was coming to you. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. Don't try to make that something more than it is. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Bluster you when people insult you. Come on. Doesn't that feel good? Yeah. Come on. Somebody spits at you. you. Mm. I feel so blessed in that moment. You should. I think it just shows how silly our feelings are. Um, in an unregenerated state, how our thoughts and our feelings are just wrong. They're designed to help us. They're designed to serve us. Your emotions, your thoughts... Your will are designed to serve you and not to lead you. Every time they lead you, I promise you, you'll get it wrong. Persecute you and say falsely, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. Come on, when was the last time that somebody insulted you because of righteousness? Well, they might insult you, all right. But insult you because of his namesake. When was the last time that someone really did that? I don't know, but it says that I'm supposed to rejoice and be glad because I'm blessed. Great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Many of you even know, as I'm just giving you the address, you know exactly where we're going next. Because we have that kind of a church. Church. Romans 5, 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. How many of you have more perseverance now than you did two years ago? Yep. Yeah, but we don't like the suffering, do we? Even though it's building in something to us every day. We're being renewed day by day. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. If you're lacking some hope in areas in your life, it's because the suffering is still working to produce the perseverance that you need. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. Come on, you can't do these things without the power of the Spirit. We've got to have the Spirit at work in us. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The Bible is wrought with example after example after example how suffering is good for us. How that it is, in fact, a reverse validation of us walking with the Lord. Have you forgotten that today? Did you go around today and kind of forget just because of the difficulty in this last season? Come on, we're going to lift our we're lifting our eyes. That's what we're doing. We're allowing the word to lift our eyes. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Lord is building us into a house of mature believers. And the requirement of that is seen in his reverse validation. Turn to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. Verse 4. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp. Or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign with him forever and ever. It's almost it reminded me of the, the glory that far outweighs the light and momentary afflictions that we're going through. We understand the direction that we're heading. For our last passage of the night, turn to first Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter four. look at verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. How clear, how very plain the scripture is here. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Don't be surprised at the difficulty that's going on in your life from a day-to-day situation with your jobs. I'm praying for each of you. I know that so many people in our church are trying to find a job, struggling with a job, looking for another job, trying to keep a job. Yeah. Don't be surprised at the painful, painful trial that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. I have to be honest with you. Sometimes I find it strange even though I know if I allow my emotions to rule me, I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Lord, are you, are you mad at me? Have I done anything wrong? Yeah, it's probably a good place to start. That's probably, that's probably a good start. But after that, once you've cleared it with the Lord, yeah, you're not supposed to be surprised. But rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. That you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Do you hear how much joy is supposed to be in our suffering? Yeah. Yeah. Do you hear that? Every scripture passage that we've read has something about joy. Rejoice. Not just that you that you can embrace. It's not saying embrace the suffering. That's not my no, that's not my message to you tonight. Embrace the suffering, church. Embrace it. Because it's there. Yeah, you might as well go ahead because it's going to happen anyway. The word of the Lord that says, though, not to embrace, but to rejoice, but to have joy that comes from the inside of you. Man, wow, this is difficult. This is a painful trial I'm under. You know what the word there is? It's puros. It's a word that means fire. It's a fiery trial that you're under. Something that is causing you to become more and more pure. It's working out the impurities in your life, but we are supposed to be overjoyed that His glory is going to be revealed in us. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Man, it's a, con- a con- continuous and consistent theme throughout the word. You are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10 as we close. And the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Friends, as we're going through this tonight, stand to your feet with us. As you're going through this, I want to make a few connections as we close. Do you see that suffering and glory are connected? Yes. Do you see that suffering and you're having joy in it is connected with the glory of God? Yes. Man, I want to have not only the presence of God going on. I want to have his heavy, the kavod, the glory of God that falls upon your life. I want His glory in my life. That He might have glory with what goes on. That His heavy, the weightiness that will far outweigh any light and momentary trouble. But that's because we have to not only embrace the suffering, but rejoice. Have joy. Let our hearts be enlivened. That Jesus Christ, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, scorning and shame. So that there might be glory. Glory. What a a simple thought as we read Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that basically said a consistent theme all the way throughout. Tonight as we get ready to worship. If you've been suffering and you just need a little bit more of the joy of the Lord in your suffering. We're going to open up the altars here in a minute. I'm going to ask that you do this. I'm going to ask that you not. Not come down and assume crash position at the altar. And if you want to come down to the altar, <laughs> Lord, I've been suffering and I'm going to start right now to have joy in the suffering. I'm going to start right now. I'm going to raise my hands in the suffering instead of coming down... And lamenting. We're going to start rejoicing that we're in suffering because it acts as validation that we're going in the right direction. Your difficulties are proving. It's, it's designed so that it will test your faith and you have an opportunity to succeed. Not that you're going to get crushed on the way. Why? Because He's going to be with you.